0: Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series, Don Harris, your host And uh, we are going to continue with the red letters in the scriptures You thinking red ink yet? Good for you Uh, This particular one is, um, we begin in chapter 64. Jesus rebukes the Pharisees, scribes, and lawyers. We talked about the word lawyer before, right? You remember? Uh, These weren't necessarily attorneys. Well, they they weren't uh, attorneys at law, but they were doctors of the law. And um, so we find them as part of the religious leadership in the synagogue. A Pharisee invited Jesus to come to his house to eat. Jesus entered and sat down to the food spread before him. The host was surprised that Jesus began to eat without washing before dinner. Perceiving his thoughts, Jesus said to him, before we begin, <laughs> um, washing before dinner was um was considered to be, I'd say today, it would be praying before dinner. Uh, There are people that are uh, appalled if people don't pray before they eat. Under no mandate to do so, never been told to do so, uh, they consider it to be a, a most heathen practice. For you to understand how a Jew felt for a person to sit down and eat without going through the ceremonial hand washing the little the little uh um, vessel you know that has uh, uh clean and unclean handles on it and, and it has to be poured in such a way and has to be and your hands have to be wiped in a certain way it has to do with with ceremonial clean cleanliness it has little to do with the fact that it, one's hands may be dirty um in order for you to understand um how appalling that was to the jew it would be pretty much like going to a Christian's home and diving in and eating uh, without uh, praying. Um, let me say that I think that, you know, diving in to eat without uh, proper thanks to the host or hostess, uh, without uh, waiting for one another uh, to come to the table and just being plumb rude uh, is uh, something that we should avoid. Um and we're really not talking about that kind of respect for, uh, for family and for people who are caring for you. We're talking about people uh, who uh, just don't participate in ritual. Um, now, I have uh, people come to my home, and I always ask if it is their manner or their habit to pray before they eat that they do so. And, uh, and and feel free to do so. Um, however, it's not necessarily my habit to do so. I don't pray from habit, or I don't pray because it's time to pray, or because uh, of anything that happens to be going on around me at that particular point. I believe that uh, we are to pray as we are led to do so, and, and not expect God to drop whatever he's doing to hear us uh, give our half-hearted. Thanks. And I I assure you, sometimes it's not half-hearted, but those are usually in times of of need. Um, But nevertheless, this was appalling to the Jews. And uh, they had real trouble with his disciples not doing that. Jesus said unto them, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Ye fools, did not he which made that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. There's a concept I don't remember ever anybody ever preaching. Um, in, in, in the day that we live in, and in uh, most of the um, so-called Christian churches and faiths and fellowships and denominations, this kind of thing. I have never heard alms attached to giving of thanks. You remember when the Lord said one time, is this not the fast that I choose? Not that you do without food, but that you, your neighbor who has none would receive the food that you would eat. You're not really understanding what we're trying to accomplish here, I hear the Lord say. And um, and here we have uh, Jesus essentially saying the same things. There's a lot of things that you don't seem to understand. Uh, you know, you're the kind that, that strain out gnats and swallow camels. You wash your hands. You may wash the cup and the platter, and you make sure all these things are you know, ceremonial clean, but you need to know that within you is what needs the cleansing the ravening and excess, uh, one of the King James Scripture says, here it says ravening and wickedness, ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also, but rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. The concept of giving of alms making our lives clean in the sight of God is not a concept that I've ever heard preached. You? How about you? You ever heard that? I never have. Um, And so here we have Jesus giving us a a clear teaching that we are to give alms. And it's the alms that we give. And if you're not familiar with the word alms, it's it's strictly offerings made to people of... uh, Uh, of less um, supply, of less um, uh, means than you have uh, giving to one another. Here we have it again, us taking care of people around us. Do you want to have that cleanness in your life? You need to give alms. I, I know that's a work, and we're not saved by works. Well, I'll tell you what, here it's pretty clear that you're cleansed by them, if that's important to you at all, um, I, I've often wondered if the book of Tobit, uh, which, is, which was in the King James Bible and removed, uh, wasn't one of those, uh, this wasn't one of the concepts that had it removed, because Tobit taught that uh, that's the way we're forgiven of our sins, is by doing of alms, and, uh, and that goes against uh, modern Christianity. And, and many re, uh, of the religious persons' thoughts and uh, mental processes. He says, But rather give alms of such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean to you. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These things ye ought to have done and not to leave the other. Undone. Here, by the way, it's you know it's a small verse. It's not there's not much um, there's not much instruction here. But here you have Jesus condoning tithing and tithing to the smallest degree. Remember when he says uh, he you 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 tie uh, you tithe of your anise and rue and mint and cumin these your your tithing spices. And you leave the weightier matters of the law undone. This you ought to have done. What? This tithing, even to the smallest degree. When you're talking about rue, mint, anise, and cumin, buddy, you better have you better have a nice flat table and a and a ruler or something to count these things off. You know, you got you got a hundred little little seeds of anise there, 10 of those get pushed over to the side and they go to the priest. And he says, this you ought to have done. Is Jesus condoning tithing here? Absolutely. Tithing never went away. It's a perfect way to give to God. It's his rule. It's what he said he wanted. So tithing, as far as Jesus is concerned, you ought to do it. Maybe that's why these things aren't preached. I don't know, um, but he says this: you you ought to have done, and leave not the other undone. I, I, the other being what? He says you you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, and and what is what what are those weightier matters? He says the love of God, and judgment. The love of God and judgment, how do we pass those over? Well, first of all, you don't give alms to people who need them. You don't, you, what you have is what you have. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not held in an open hand. It's not given to those who, who need. So there the love of God, which he wants to um, uh, distribute to his people essentially cannot be done because his people won't do it what about judgment well we pass over judgment because we make rules we make laws and we enforce our laws but we don't enforce God's laws I mean for example um, what would you say to a young girl who decides to get an abortion and you say that's wrong and they look at you and say well it's legal does she have a point It's not against the law. How can you say it's wrong if it's not against the law? Does she have a point? Because um, if we are, in that particular case, we're passing over judgment. Whose judgment are we passing over? We're passing over the Old Testament scripture that makes it very clear. By the way, if you've thrown away your Old Testament, you're going to have a real difficult time arguing the abortion thing. But, um, you know, in the Old Testament, he laid out laws and says that if a woman is struck or she's harmed intentionally by somebody else and her child go from her, in other words, she miscarries this child, what's the judgment for things like that? Life shall go for life. (laughs) I see Christians all the time sitting there wringing their hands, discussion, uh, discussions galore. And does life begin in the womb, you know, and, you know, when does the, when is the child actually, you know, what, what happened to the scriptures? Where did the scriptures go? Why is it that we're, 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 we're floundering over the scriptures to make it clear. Life shall go for life. When that baby's in the womb, God considers it to be a life. So why do you consider it to be anything else? So we're going to pass over judgment, not our judgments, not our laws. Well, if it's you know if it's if it's not against the law, then it's okay. It's one of the uh, reasons that you know uh, the legalization of of, uh, of certain uh, chemicals and and such. And I'm thinking, do you want to open that door? Uh, I don't want my 12-year-old coming home from school. And and saying that you know there's nothing wrong with dope because uh, you know the law's not against it. <laughs> I don't want that to happen, but that's what we do when we pass over judgment, pass over the judgment, pass over the judgment of God. And these kind of things happen, and these kind of things are a part of our life. And the most important to you, thing to you is to count out ten of a hundred aniseeds in order to honor your God when you're not even honoring his judgments, when you're not engaging in the love of God that is that is uh, shed to the whole earth and people who need, and people he's trying to answer their prayer, but he's got nobody on his payroll. He's got nobody. He has no employees. I'm sorry. It happens here at TRI all the time. You know, people call and they ask for certain things, and they might write back and say, you know, I, I didn't receive it. Well, you know what? We're doing the best we can. <laughs> you know, we don't have a whole staff full of people here to, to, to answer, you know, what, whatever your request happens to be. And I see God in the same situation. People pray. Yeah, it's my will. Yeah, I'd like to see that done. Let's see if I can find somebody that'll do it. Um, so he says, uh, you pass over judgment and the love of God. These tithing you ought to have done. But not to leave the other undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the most upper, the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the market. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are as the graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. The, um, this is a. This is a. Con, you ever heard uh, uh, the. Um, I remember when I was younger and you'd get a little goosebump or a little chill or something like that and somebody say somebody's walking over your grave plot right now you ever heard that um, I don't know how that relates but I think about this when he says that you know there, there may be there's there's things there's excess and, and and as he says extortion and excess and you know the a, a rotting corpse under the ground you don't know it People walk over it because they don't think that it's, a, that it's necessarily a grave. Not that there's anything wrong with walking over a grave. Some people are very superstitious about those things. But uh, there's not necessarily anything wrong with it. He's just saying that, you know, up here it looks like a nice little path. But nobody knows that just below them is something that is, you know, you know a very uh, repulsive and he says this is this is what i see when i see you you look like a holy man you got the clothes you got the beard you got the hat you got the hair you got everything that you need to look like a holy man but i happen to know that within you is extortion and excess then a lawyer who was present said to jesus thou thus saying thou condemnest us also and Jesus replied, "Good catch." <laughs> no, he didn't. But uh, I think that it's a, I think that it's interesting that the lawyers didn't see themselves on the outside of the, you know, the religious Pharisee. They were one of them. And he says, "You're reproaching us, and we haven't done anything wrong. We don't purport ourselves to be holy men. We don't purport ourselves to be." worthy of some religious respect or you know positions of leadership we're just doing our job and um and so our job you're saying you know it could easily fall into that area of being a hypocrite well jesus really didn't let him off the hook did he he says he says well woe unto you also you lawyers for you laid men with burdens grievous to be born and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Now, this was a practice among the Jews, uh, but I believe within myself that it was born in good intention. Uh, We cannot forget the fact that the worst thing that ever happened to, happened or happens to Israel um, is that they would lose their sovereignty, and find themselves in subjective slavery to another nation, and uh, this was uh, most humiliating, and uh, and probably the lowest time uh, in in his in, in Israel's history, the lowest times in their history, and um, remember we, you know, he says that. that our captives wanted us to all get together and have a sing-song one night at the campfire, (laughs) but we all hung our harps on the willows and wept. How can we sing? How can we sing when our country is being held captive by heathen people? And uh, so it was a terrible thing in their life, so terrible, in fact, that they took the words of the prophet, they took the words of of the scriptures, literally and understood that uh, they were being held captive for a certain amount of time because they neglected the sabbath day they didn't keep the sabbath day for 490 years and the lord says i'm going to get my sabbath you're going to give me my sabbath days so i'll tell you what i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to have you in captivity for 70 years to pay me back for these 490 years that you didn't obey the sabbath day and god's a pretty good mathematician and he's fair (laughs) and so what they did was is when they when they found themselves back in israel and free um, the religious leadership said look this cannot happen again this is a bad thing uh, that we would neglect the sabbath day this need not happen again and we're going to see to it that it doesn't happen again. And, um, and the lawyers were obviously instruments in this decision and in the implementation of laws that, that, the way I say it is, they build fences around the laws. Well, the fences that they built around the laws were things that were grievous to be borne. Uh, You can't walk more than 3,000 feet away from your possession. Well, who says? That's not what Moses said. It's not what the law says. It's not what's carved in stone. Where did that come from? Well, it's known as a Sabbath day's journey. That's as far as you can walk on the Sabbath day. And if you keep that, we don't have to worry about you working on the Sabbath day. You can't get more than 1,000 paces from your house. You know, (laughs) so... Uh, this, this is going to be a safeguard. Well, Jesus was saying to the lawyers, you know, you're making these laws that I didn't give anybody, and I'm afraid what you're doing is, is you're, you're making the commandment of God of no effect. Why are you doing this? Well, you know, we're trying to be safe. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the problem with what you've done. You've taken something as wonderful and as beautiful as the Sabbath day and you turned it into a whole list of rules. I didn't build you for the Sabbath day. I made the Sabbath day for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you're supposed to be enjoying this. This is a feast of the Lord, a weekly feast of the Lord. And now nobody enjoys it. As a matter of fact, when the Catholics tried to change, the Sa- well, they were successful in changing, uh, at least in their own mind, the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, uh, they did so in just such a manner. They made the Sunday a day of feasting and worship and everybody gets dressed up and goes to church. But on the Sabbath day, uh, they insisted that people work, uh, that they uh, do certain things to desecrate the Sabbath, which was one of their goals. But their main goal was to make the Sabbath so distasteful to the average person, and Sunday, something that was very pleasurable, it was like, you know, Sabbath day, we all go to hell, and on, the, on the Sunday, we all go to Disneyland. And so it doesn't take uh, many generations to go by before all of a sudden uh, the commandment of the Lord is grievous to be born. Well, Jesus says, you're the one that's making it grievous to be born. These, these rules are not grievous, and, and we find John reiterating the very thing. These, these, the, the, the commandments of the Lord are not grievous, and he says, you are making them that way. You're making them difficult, and, and what I've noticed is that the burdens that you put on people, they don't seem to affect you. <laughs> you're, not, you're not obeying them. Wow, this is, this is the forerunner of our Congress, is it not? They make laws that they don't have to obey. They put restrictions on on the people that don't restrict them. Uh, you know they have all kinds of immunities in this and immunities on that, and they they get paid for stuff that they charge us for. Um, you know this is this is nothing more than just regular old leadership gone amok so that they can make whatever rules they want, but they don't have to worry about obeying them themselves. So he says. Um, for because i told you that the word for can usually be exchanged for the word because he says uh, because you build the sepulchers of the prophets and your fathers killed them wow what in the world is he talking about here for they indeed killed them and ye build their sepulchers i just wonder what exactly is he talking about here? he's talking about the respect and honor that is, is given to their fathers as long as they're dead. We don't have any intention on obeying the prophets. We don't have any intention on living our life by their words but respect oh my goodness Saint this and Saint that you know let's call them let's call them saints. Uh, but do what they say? I don't think so. You know, we do that in our country. You know, we, we uh, hold up certain men, uh, certain fathers of our country. You know, John Adams, he wouldn't even know what this place is. The United States, really? Come on. Uh, I mean, I, I encourage people to read uh, things like the Federalist Papers and, and men who... Uh, who fought for the freedoms of this country, oh, we honor them, we build statues to them, but do what they say? To actually implement their ideas and their philosophy and to try to mimic their character? No, we don't do that at all. Well, that's exactly what they were doing here. We build their sepulchers, we give them monuments, we make them honored people in their death. That's the way we can enjoy these people is after they're dead. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they shall slay and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge, and ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering you hindered. Friend, this is an indictment against religious leadership. That's, that's all there is to it. I don't know that you can be a good religious leader. There is one leader. There's one teacher. We have one father of us all. The Spirit of God is our teacher. The Spirit of God is to be the only teacher. So what's men's purpose in the earth? How about overseers? Whatever happened to that term? What's wrong with being an overseer? Because somebody has to oversee things. Somebody has to see to it that, you know things are on track and the things are working and the things are whatever they need to be there's always going to be overseers but religious leadership it's it's a mistake it's a problem they do take advantage and they cause people to not enjoy the things of God because it just turns so religious and it turns religious why these people they're not born again these people are not entering the kingdom of god and those who are entering the kingdom of god find themselves constantly in conflict with them so we need to be very careful in these areas we need to be very careful who and in, in the case of the holy spirit what we're following all right it's time for us to go you can write to be done at and until i see you again my friend think red ink bye bye email Don at thinkredink.com That's thinkredink.com Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.